How many of you had difficulty finding Jude this morning? Okay, I appreciate your honesty. I went and sat down a minute ago, and Tammy says to me, it's like the, like the lost book of the Bible. I couldn't find it. So if that was your predicament this morning, you're in a good house of worship because it's not often that we hear from Jude. And uh, if you look at the beginning apart, most of your subtitles in the opening part of Jude, it's very, it's very prolific. It gives you warm and fuzzies when it says the sin and doom of ungodly people. Doesn't that make, doesn't that make you feel good for Thanksgiving? And so we go and we look at the latter half of Jude and we see that God is calling us to persevere, that God is calling us to something greater than what's going on in our midst. Now, the interesting thing about that is, you know, every Sunday we come, we, we have brought our story, our story has taken new shapes during the course of our week. And so we are not more than just the sum total of our experience this week, we're the sum total of our experience of all collective weeks combined. And some of those weeks are great, and some of those, some of those weeks are happy, and we're entering into a season in which for a lot of us, it's our, it's, our, it's our special time of year. We become a lot more happy. We become a lot more joyful. We become a lot more giving than we do in any, uh, any other part of the year. I mean, uh, it's like January through like November 15th, we're Scrooge. And then November 15th comes in, we go into the mall, we go into a, a grocery store, and we hear kind of that Christmas music jingle. And it kind of gets us in a, in a very, very good mood. And before you know it, we're, we're you know, uh, when we're in the checkout line, and they say, would you like to donate $2 or $5 or $10 to help the hungry? Oh, sure, we want to do that. We won't do it any other time of the year, but for Thanksgiving and Christmas, we want, to, we want to really, really, really be an extension of Christ, and we want to meet people's needs. Now, the interesting part of that is, that would be wonderful if people's needs were like a light bulb or a light fixture that shut on and shut off, like November 15th, shut on needs, and then December 31st, shut off needs, and we would be great. The problem is that there are needs in January, February, March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November, and December. Uh, and everything in between. And so we have needy people all around us all the time. The reason that I believe, and this is the reason we do Feast of Sharing and whatnot, it's not because we can capitalize on your giving, it's the fact that we want all of us to come to an understanding that the needs that we see in November and December are needs that don't go away in November and December. These are needs that are constant constantly going on and the hope is that through the work of the spirit through praying through the spirit through seeking the countenance of God and seeking his will that will open our eyes to the needs of our world that would open up our eyes to the needs of our community and one of the critical things I think when we come when we look in in Jude there's several points that that I think that that God would want us to take away and one of them is that you and I need to be aware of God's presence. We need to be aware of how he's moving, where he's moving, and we need to stop praying that God will move in this area and start moving in this area and start joining God in what he's already doing. It's very arrogant of us as believers, as followers of Christ. Remember, we're supposed to be followers, we're not supposed to be leaders of Christ. Christ is supposed to lead us. The Holy Spirit is supposed to guide us and lead us into ministry. So we should never go into ministry asking God, God, will you bless what we're doing for you? 
but we need to join God in what he's already doing. When we see a need and God brings that need to our awareness, when God brings his presence and we're aware of how God is moving, then we need to lean into the movement of the Holy Spirit. We need to lean into the movement of God and we need to meet that need in that moment, in that time. We're very good at saying, let me pray about it. Anybody ever told you, let me pray about it? I'm going to pray about that. What does that usually mean? It's the Christian version of no. Let me pray about that. You know, would you like, we, we could really use you to help out with this, with this ministry. This opposite. Well, let, let, let me, let me, let, 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 let me pray about it and, and, I'll, and I'll, I'll, I'll get back to you. Uh, which really means it, it's kind of, no, I'm really not going to pray about it. And I don't really want to do it, but it would be quite crude and unchristian for me to say no. Be aware of God's presence. All around us today are people who are well-intentioned, but who are not guided or led by the Spirit of the Most High God. There are a lot of things that you and I, as I've said before, can become involved with that are great, great things, of great acts of philanthropy or great acts of kindness, great acts of hospitality, great uh, acts of servitude. But it's not our job to rush in and to do it all. It is our job to solely be in line with how God is leading, how he's moving, and make sure that we show up when God is moving in the places and the people that he is moving in. It says, but dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold in verse 17. They said to you, in the last times there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. And then verse 19, these are the people who divide you who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the Spirit. The one thing that we should be marked by as followers of Christ as we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And for most of us, when it comes to, to pursuing God and believing in Lord Jesus Christ, we have no problem accepting Christ and understanding who he is because we can kind of tangibly put our hands around Jesus. He was like this baby born in a feeding trough. We laid him in a manger. Mary wore a blue bonnet as she gave birth, and she was smiling the whole time, and there were cows and there were donkeys, and they were mooing and neighing or whatever donkeys do uh, in glorifying God in that moment, and shepherds and wise men came, and we had a wise man that was white, we had a wise man that was black, and we had a wise man that was oriental to cover our bases. And so another whole world comes to worship this newborn king, and that's kind of the epitome of our nativity. And our, our takeaway from that is that it was just a, a glorious moment in history. And because of that, uh, we have a jolly man in a red suit who gets on a sleigh with uh, reindeer and, and beacons through the night and, and goes and he bestows upon us, who are good little boys and girls, all the presents that we've ever wanted. And for the bad little boys and girls, which, by the way, I've not found any, uh, we leave uh, like coal in their stocking. That's what happens. Now, I don't know how you go from Jesus being born in a manger to ho, 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 Merry Christmas, but that's kind of what the synopsis of it is. And the Christian church has bought into it, and definitely capitalism bought into it, because how many of you are planning to go shopping this Friday? Of course you are. And the rest of you who are not holding your hands, you're liars, and you need to repent. 
Be aware of God's presence. Be aware of His movement. Be aware of the motivations of people's heart. Not everybody that's doing good things are spirit-led by God. A spirit-led person will always be able to accomplish more than expected. A spirit-led person will not chase every whim or fad. They will not change with the seasons. In other words, a spirit-led person, if you need a tangible reality or a, a, tangible, um, a tangible illustration, a spirit-led person will be a thermostat rather than being a thermometer. Now what's the difference? A thermostat sets the tone. It sets the temperature. A thermometer goes up and down depending on what's going on. And so many of us in our Christian walk, we're like chameleons. We change colors at the drop of the hat. If we are meeting with this group of people, then we're for this particular initiative or we're for this mission or this ministry. But if we're over here with somebody else, we've changed our tune. We change based on what we perceive people to think about us because we want to be applauded, we want to be esteemed, we want to be appreciated, we want to be glorified. Why? Because our world has told us it's all about me. The gospel runs counter to this. A spirit-led person is able to accomplish far more than what is expected. A spirit-led person sets the tone. They do not waver. They do not chase after every whim or every fad. They are constant in their faith, constant in their service, and they're always looking at ways that they might diminish in the capacity of God, that they might become less in the eyes of people, greater in the eyes of God. They're always interested in finding a way to be behind the scenes, able to look at the big picture and watch the unfolding drama work, gracious work of God is, is before their eyes. And here's the thing, they're very conscious of the fact that they're not doing it to receive applause, they're not doing it to receive uh, to see or to, to receive esteem. They're doing it because they're serving a most high God. God is moving in their midst and they choose to plug in where he's moving. So one of my questions today is, are you plugged in to where God is moving? Or are you sitting here today praying for God to move in a certain area? See, there's a difference. And I'm not saying that we should avoid praying for God's hand to move in other people's lives. But if we're always expecting God to move in an area that we're praying for, then our prayers are very selfish. When God won't, listen, if you want God to move in the direction that you believe he should go, listen, it all begins when you begin serving him where he's already moving. When you and I begin serving God where he's already moving, then God, I believe, takes notice that this is a person who is after my own heart. I'm not in it because of what I can get out of it. I'm not in it to be self-serving or self-seeking. I'm in it for the sake of the gospel. I'm in it for the sake of his will. I am a spirit-led person. And that would be another question I would ask you. Can you say today that you are spirit-led? Can you say that you are pursuing the Holy Spirit's movement in our life? As I said, we're good with Jesus because he was a baby. We can relate to that. We're good with God the Father as long as we had a good father. If we had a horrible father, sometimes one of the greatest struggles of our spiritual life is understanding 
How is he my father? Because I don't know what a father truly is in humanly form. How do I relate to that? And so a lot of us have a spiritual issue with understanding who is the father. But when it comes to spirit, all bets are off. What does that mean? I mean, is he like the, you know, when I was growing up, we called it the Holy Ghost. Now, some of you, some of you that attended more, um, should I say, uh, charismatic churches, and we're so afraid of the word charismatic in the Baptist church. Let me tell you something. I've been in Baptist church for 38 years, be 39 years, actually almost 40 years, because even while I was in the womb, I was in Baptist church. And so when I look at that, if, when I look at that, let me tell you something. I've met a lot of Baptists that could use a shot of charisma. I've met a lot of Baptists that absolutely need the Holy Spirit to flesh out in their lives. And listen, it's okay to be excited about serving and worshiping God. It's okay not to be able to contain your enthusiasm. It's okay to be a beautiful volcano for Jesus and erupt with God's grace and love and compassion. We're not interested in the fire, we're not interested in the burning, but we are interested in the grace and compassion of God. It's okay to be enthusiastic. And as I've said before from this pulpit, if you, listen, if you're living a life as if you've been baptized in pickle juice, there is, a, there is a serious problem in your walk with Christ. God has not called us to live a mundane Christian life. God has called us to the greatest life that we could possibly live. And the greatest life that you and I can possibly live is a life surrendered solely to the work of the Holy Spirit as we serve Him and as we serve Him alone without any selfish ambition, without getting way of God's movement, without stopping the movement of God, but solely committing ourselves to how He's moving, how He's working, and showing up when he's at work in the field. You and I have to be committed to being aware of God's presence. Notice it around you. Notice God's movement and plug in. One of the reasons that we don't want to plug in, there's a number, there's a plethora of reasons that we don't plug in. But the main reason we don't plug in is because we're afraid of commitment. We're afraid of what commitment will require. But the last time I checked, there is no salvation without commitment. You see, God is committed to us in the person of Jesus Christ. We are committed to God through grace and our trust and our confidence in Him through faith. It's all about commitment. You want to see God's hand move in your life? Do a reality check of your commitment. Are you committed to the work of the Holy Spirit? Are you a spirit-led person? Are you a thermostat rather than a thermometer? Or are you chasing after the wind? Is your spiritual life a roller coaster? If your spiritual life's a roller coaster, let me tell you something. Who sets the tone of that? Outlook determines outcome. If you're in one of these roller coaster rides, and I've been there, I know exactly what it's like. It's not fun. Well, it's exhilarating when you're climbing the hill. It's great at the top, but the valley's coming. And if your life is constantly like this, and you've desired for it to be like this, how is the Spirit guiding you? How committed are you to Christ? How committed are you to His work? Be aware of God's presence. Secondly, beware, be aware of those around you. If you look in verses 22 and 23... It says, be merciful to those who doubt, 
Save others by snatching them from the fire. To others show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. What is it saying? It's saying be aware of those around you. In verse 21 preceding that, he says, Keep yourself in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. God sustains us. He is an ever-present help in time of trouble. Go back to Psalm 46 and read it. He is an ever-present help in time of trouble. The Bible goes on to say, Though the mountains shake in the heart of the seas, though the waters roar and foam, He's there in the midst of us. He sustains us. He provides for us. He's an ever-present help in trouble. Isaiah 41 says, 4031 says, wait on Jesus. Patiently wait on Jesus. Says, Keep yourselves in God's love in verse 21 of Jude as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because by waiting on Jesus, those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not go weary. They will walk and not be faint. If you're faint, if you're weak, if you have surrendered your hope and your joy, notice I said it's your act, you're surrendering your hope and your joy. If you're on this roller coaster ride, listen, those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They will soar. They will soar on wings like eagles. There's no greater freedom that can be encapsulated in an illustration than an eagle soaring free. And some of us are so tied down by our daily routines. We're so tied down because we've not leaned into the work of the Spirit. We have been busy, 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 praying about God's movement, praying for God's forgiveness, praying for God to change this person's heart, change that person's heart, move in this area, move in that area. But maybe what our prayer needs to be, God, change my heart, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me, steadfast, consistent commitment to pursue and follow God, to be in tune with His will. Keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Because guess what? We're not there yet. This is a process. We come to Christ, we receive Him as personal Lord and Savior. That is the beginning point. That is the start of the, uh, that is the, start of the race. It is not the finish line. The finish line is experiencing the joy of the, world, uh, joy of the Lord in the world to come, the kingdom of God, as experienced in heaven. We're not there yet. And so we wait with great anticipation. We wait, fervently wait. And in our waiting, listen, when we typically think of waiting, we think of this. If you go to a doctor's office, how many of you have been to a doctor's office in the last two weeks? Let me see. You go to a doctor's office and you wait in the waiting room. How many times do you go to a doctor's office and wait and they don't call you on time? How many times does that happen? It happens a lot. How many of you get frustrated at that? You've got an appointment at 11 o'clock and they don't take you back to 11.45. Is that not troubling? Don't you want to lose your Christianity at that point? You're ready to take up the cross and crucify somebody on the cross. That's what you and I are ready to do. Waiting is not simply being still. It's not sitting, waiting. Listen, 
We can be passive waiters or we can be active waiters. The Bible, listen, when it says wait on the Lord, it doesn't mean that you and I get to be passive and sit in a pew. Oh, I'm just waiting on God to move in an amazing way. And when he moves, I'll be sure to sign up for it, you know, for an event in the coming future. But meanwhile, you know, I think, I think I'm just going to, I'm just going to, I'm going to be in his sanctuary and I'm just going to rest and just, uh, just, just, just rest in the moment. Waiting on the Lord is active. When you and I are waiting on the Lord, we're not passive. We are pursuing him. We may not have the whole picture of what God's going to do, but when you and I wait on the Lord, we're not sitting like a knot on a log. We're not patting the pew. We're not collecting dust. We're active participants in the kingdom of God. Be aware of those around you. And the Bible goes at great length as we are aware of those around us. Does it say judge those around you? Nope, sorry, it's not there. It says, be merciful. Be merciful. Be merciful of those around you. It says, in the end times, now, some people get, oh, this is apocalyptic. This is talking about the end times of Sodom and Gomorrah, the Armageddon, and everything else going on. Listen, I know when the end times going to happen. You know when the end times going to happen? We're getting closer every day. That's when the end time's going to happen. We're getting closer every day. Live as if today is the last day. Let me ask you this. If you're waiting on the Lord and you knew he was coming tomorrow, would you just sit in a seat or sit in a pew? No. You'd be more active in your waiting. You want to make sure you crossed your T and dotted your I. You want to make sure that you, you know, you've got a bucket list. You see, we've got a bucket list we want to accomplish in life. There's a spiritual bucket list too. Now some of you are going to say, well, I haven't developed one. You need to. You need to. There are things that you and I need to accomplish. Number one and foremost, we need to make sure that we know 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 that we are committed follower of Jesus Christ, that we have accepted his forgiveness as he's demonstrated on the cross, that we have accepted his grace, that we have responded in faith, our faith to him, and it's a consistent commitment, not a roller coaster ride, but a consistent commitment as we wait on the Lord, as he renews our strength, as he reaches down in the midst of our weakness and lifts us up, as he is one who longs for us to be still and know that he is God, that he is moving in our midst, that we are aware of his presence, that we are aware of other people around us, that we, aware, we are aware of the spiritual needs of people and surroundings and the environment. We wait on Jesus being merciful to those that we encounter. And then I want to tell you in closing, verse 24, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages now and forevermore. What is it saying? It's saying be overwhelmed by Christ. Be absolutely mesmerized by the movement of God. Be overwhelmed by Christ, his work, his grace, his majesty, his authority, and his power. Because he wants to demonstrate his work 
He wants to demonstrate his grace. He wants to demonstrate his majesty. He wants to demonstrate his authority. He wants to demonstrate his power through you and me. Because that is his plan in changing the world. That is his plan in redeeming the world. That is his plan in changing the hearts and minds of the world. And for those of you, you know, last Friday as we had these terrorist attacks in Paris, as it is Islamic extremism, it is a religious war, regardless of what politicians want to say about it. It is a religious war, there's no doubt about that. Our response needs to be to pray for the hand of God's movement that we might be able to be an instrument of peace, an instrument of grace, but that we not be stupid about. We have an obligation, and our obligation is to be the mouthpiece of God, the representative of God, His hope for a dying and lost world. Listen, I don't expect people who are Islamic to worship Jesus. But I do believe in a God that can radically, radically change someone's life because he changed mine and he's changed yours. We can never, ever give up on people. Do I like terrorists? No. Do I like people who practice Islam? I love them. I'm concerned about their religion. I just have to be honest. But I can't give up on them. I cannot give up on them. And to the extent that we hate what we perceive to be our enemy is to the extent we limit Christ's work in our life. We have to be gracious and we have to be able to carve out what grace means in an environment. It does not, listen, it does not automatically mean that we receive refugees. It also does not automatically mean that we push them away. It means that we consider that we're a thermostat. We're not a thermometer. Listen, Facebook... All these social media sites, even the media itself, it is a thermometer. It's all about what political affiliation you are. And it's like this. We're going to get rid of them. You know, I mean, I mean, one of the greatest joys, I mean, I'll tell you how much joy I have. The greatest step towards joy in my life is when I moved here two years ago and I refused to have cable in my home. My blood pressure is down. Because here's what I know, if it's of great importance, if it's earth-shattering news, it's going to blip on my phone. Watching the news can cause you spiritual depravity. Watching the news can cause you to burn in anger. And I'm, I'm going to be quite honest with you today. If I merely took a dose of the news, and it doesn't matter what station, it be CNN, it could be MSNBC, it could be Fox, CBS, uh, ABC, all of, you name it, whatever media outlet you use, it doesn't matter which outlet it is, but here's what happens. When you take that in doses, in strong dosages, in, in huge amounts, every day, week in, week out, looking at the depravity of this world, if you're not careful, you will burn with hate towards the people. You have to be very careful about that. And I'm speaking from personal experience because I'm telling you what, it just fires me up. I'm fired up about a lot of things. I get fired up over that. That just, it's just, you just want to, it's what you want to do. Like, I don't have the physical ability to be like uh, one of these ranger people, but buddy, I get fired up. I have potential. Not quite there yet. But here's the thing, 
In those moments, I'm like a thermometer. I sit on the edge of my seat watching that news. The spin they put on that news affects how I perceive people. And there's a lot of things, let me tell you this, there's a lot of things I've heard in the news in the last several years that got me riled up. And then all too often, a couple weeks later, I learn, hmm, the truth was radically different than what was presented in the beginning. You see, my, my emotions, my stress, my blood pressure, they've already taken a toll on my life. Listen, you and I need to be constant. Who keeps us in constant? Who keeps us in check? The work of the Spirit. A Spirit-led person will not allow the enemy, will not allow circumstances, will not allow their environment, will not allow anything to permeate, to penetrate, or to change the joy, hope, and love that we must have for the world because remember God so loved the world that he gave when we lose our ability to love people with uh, to love people when we lose our ability to love people with no name when we lose our ability to love people who are radically lost we've surrendered the very gospel that's changed us you and I have to be aware of God's presence. We must be aware of those around us, not only here, but all over the world. We must be overwhelmed by the power, the majesty, the strength, the authority, the work, and the grace of Jesus Christ. Because when you and I are overwhelmed by His grace, His love, His power, His authority, and His majesty, we are diminished, and God is able to do his work. So I ask you today in closing. As we sit here today. And as we serve a Christ and a God. Who can overwhelm us. He can prevent us from falling. We can stand unblemished in his sight. We can exist and experience the greatest of joys. Look what he says. To him who is able, he is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious present without fault. Wow. That's something I want to sign up for. I won't be defined by my failures, but I can be presented before him as faultless, without blemish, holistic, purified, sanctified, like the Lord himself. That's the kind of God that I want to serve who reaches in the midst of my dirtiness, of my thoughts, the dirtiness of my actions, the dirtiness of my motives, and gives clarity and purity of thought as I wait on the Lord, as He renews my strength, as I soar on wings like eagles, as I run and not grow weary, as I walk and won't be faint. This God who gives me all opportunity, this God who's reached down and saved me from myself, Yes, to be overwhelmed by Christ, to stand unblemished in His sight, to experience the greatest of joys, that's not something that's just Christmas, ladies and gentlemen. That's good news all year round. My hope and prayer for you is that this week does not start the joy for you and that that joy surpasses in a month or two. But this year could be different 
You can become a thermostat rather than a thermometer. You can wait on the Lord by seeking His will and His purpose, leaning in, being an active participant in your waiting. As we seek to plug in where He's moving, you make the most of your opportunities that He gives to you, that we would have the mind of Christ, that we would have the heart of God, that we would experience and practice the grace of Jesus that we have received as we look at others, even if they're around the world, dressed in different types of clothing, even they worship a foreign pagan god. It does not diminish our capacity to be an extension of His grace, but it must call us to the forefront to be a hope and a help and a spokesperson for the almighty God of the universe. Let me tell you this. Every knee will bow before the God that we serve. Buddha, Siddhartha Gautama, as he's known, he will bow before the Lord Jesus Christ. Muhammad will bow before the Lord Jesus Christ. Now some on the sound will say, this is blasphemous. No, this is real. Every knee, every God, every person that we've esteemed highly, everything, every spirit, every principality will bow before the Lordship of Christ and there will be a name that is above every name and that name is Jesus. Jesus who has called us, Jesus who has saved us, Jesus who gives us a hope, Jesus who gives us a role, Jesus who gives us an opportunity to go out as his ambassadors and radically change the world for good as we are aware of his presence, as we are around, aware of those around us, and as we are ultimately overwhelmed by the majesty, glory, grace, work, power, and authority of him who's given it all. You pray with me. God, as we come to you in this invitation today, and Lord, as we celebrate the opportunities that you've given to us this week for Feast of Sharing and Operation Christmas Child, there's so many things that we can get plugged into. There's so many needs and desires that we have for our walk and for our family and for our friends and for our community. Lord, would you just move in our midst? Would you call us into the saving knowledge of Christ? And would you see us in our potential? God, as we come to you, we can come to you faultless, without blemish, because you are the one who is chasing after the lost sheep. You are the one who's willing to leave the church, willing to leave the saved to go to rescue the one that's in trouble. Some of us this morning are in trouble, and we need you to move. We need you to catch us. Some of us are on a roller coaster ride that we didn't pay to go into the amusement park to have to be on. Some of us are on a ride and we can't anticipate whether we're going up or going down. We can't anticipate whether we're going left or right. Lord, we just need to look to you. Help us to be constant in our servitude. Help us to be constant in our commitment to you. There's someone here this morning that says, Todd, I want to know the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to give my life to him. I want to have the joy of Jesus. I want to have a consistent walk. I'm tired of this emotional roller coaster ride that I've been on. I'm tired of being defined by circumstances. I'm tired of every time I turn around, there's something new under the sun and it presents itself and I'm just distraught. I'm just broken. I desperately need Jesus this morning. Someone's praying that prayer right now. 
for the person that's praying, I want you to know he's right there with you. He wasn't watching from afar as you went on this roller coaster ride. He was in the seat with you. He knows where you've been. He knows where you're headed. He knows where you're going to end up. And our prayer today as a church family is that you end up in the very presence of the Almighty God who loved you and who loves you and purposes you for more. May we be spirit-led people. If there's other people here today that say, I want to be a part of First Baptist Church, I want to become an integral part of this church family, if that's your prayer today, we want to give you opportunity. If God's leading in other areas of your life, maybe today you just need to take a moment during this invitational song and just spend time between you and your Father. May we plug in where you are moving, dear Lord. And may you move. May you move in our lives. May we be diminished and may you be increased. May you be magnified in our lives, in our service, in our fellowship as we stand amazed in your presence, as we are overwhelmed by your work, your grace, your power, your authority, and your majesty. You're mighty to save. God, thank you for your healing. Thank you for the hope that is in Christ as we begin this Advent season. And Lord, as we've been blessed, may we be a blessing to others as we seek to point, Jesus, to point people to Jesus. It's in Christ's name we pray.